But I was like, oh, let me listen to like a crypto trading podcast because I steal a lot of my questions from other podcasts, obviously. <laughs> and I was listening to it and it was like, here's my portfolio. And like, basically he said like almost all of his holdings were like Terra Luna and like shit. I was just like, right. he's, a, he's a, the biggest FTT whale in the world. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, rip. Seriously. Hopefully he's okay. Welcome to the Carson Daly Show. I'm Carson Daly and all the horrible things you heard about me are true. A couple weeks ago, I asked the Twitterverse where they go for their crypto trading alpha and the replies overwhelmingly pointed me toward today's guest, Bogart. Bogues first. Am I saying that right? Bogues? Bogart? Yeah. Bogs. Bogger. Bogs. Okay. Bogs first got into crypto around 2017, buying the Pico top and riding it all the way down. I have no fucking clue what that means. So we're going to find out. Bogs spent Please. a... Bog spent a few years keeping warm during the bear market by grinding altcoins and crawling back before getting into NFTs in 2021 via CyberKongs. After launching a token with a vision to create a decentralized hedge fund, Bogart, again, am I saying that right? Now I'm going to have myself yeah. confused. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Redirected his focus to build on building out Consortium Key, a suite of tools for traders. And now we're here. Welcome to my show. Sweet. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm very I'm excited gonna, to be here. I'm so excited. I'm going to say, I'm going to pronounce um, your name wrong. Boggs. Bogger. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, one of my, one of my coworkers who founded this stuff with me always would get it wrong too, uh, publicly. So. so hard. <laughs> and then you, and then like, once you say it right the first time, you're like, which way is it wrong? Like, it's very, right. that's one of my things. Okay. Well, I guess I already said what my first question is. Tell me what is a Pico top? Yeah. So a Pico top would be like a local top, um, not like the all time high forever, but of whatever cycle you're within, that is the Pico top or Pico bottom. So in the last bull market cycle, I bought the Pico top. Um, okay, and okay. I think I watched, yeah, I watched my portfolio go down like 95, 97%. Yeah. And it was just like terrible. Yeah. Oh yeah, my so God. So that was like, that was kind of like my big foray. Okay. So that like hurts. Like that has to hurt. So. Do you want to know before we get into this, like, let me tell you what my like experiences with like coins. So I, first of all, I always buy NFTs that go to zero. The best I ever did was um, MFers by Sartoshi, which I did really well. I, I mean, I still like paid a pretty good amount of money. I think I bought them for like 0.3. I must have bought like five for 0.3 while I was drunk at Art Basel in 2021. <laughs> So, you know, that Very was nice. like, that was like, those were the glory days. And I ended right. up selling one, I think for five ETH or something like that, four or five ETH. So it did pretty well. I got early alpha to the GM coin, the second GM coin. Mm. Okay. So there was a GM coin and a second GM coin. Um, it was alpha. Honestly, I shouldn't say this, but I feel like it was actually probably insider trading that I just didn't know I was a part of. Um, and <laughs> I watched my GM coin at one point was worth like $218,000, which like at that point, I mean, I was so kind of like in this like dissolution state that I was like, well, obviously I should sell this 
but what if it goes to a million dollars like what if it could uh, how will i know so i held on to it and then sold it for twelve thousand dollars like a couple months right. later and right. yeah basically I, also when i came into nfts like when i came into crypto via nfts so instead of you were in crypto and then came to nfts or whatever I was so like, I don't know, just clueless that, and I was so focused on the art and the community and building and making friends and whatever that I like, I probably could have bought ETH. I definitely could have bought ETH at like $300 and I just didn't because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Like, so these are my, this is my experience level. I love web three, love web three philosophy. I've deployed my own smart contracts. I've come up with awesome like token mechanics and drop mechanics. I've done loads of stuff have a long background in marketing but when it comes to like trading and fucking making money without having to work for somebody else <laughs> i can't do that and that's why we're here and that's why i posted that tweet right so t tell me like about consortium key what does consortium mean first of all that's a cool word. Yeah. Well, so consortium. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, and I love that. I love your history, and I've written the same uh, with GM and all of that. Uh, so, yeah, it's a very interesting thing. And so, for me, a consortium is you know a group of people. Uh, you know, a group of probably you know. I think it. I think it embodies some level of of uh, experience. You know, experienced people. A consortium. A, you know, a group of experienced people coming together. And so the consortium key is really it's a set of trading tools that really a big focus of it is actually on those shit coins like GM. Um, because similar to you, I got started NFTs, and you know, I had done altcoins and crypto before. You know, and those are I'm talking big coins. You know, I was buying ADA. You know, Cardano at two and two to eight cents. I was loading bags. Adam, I was loading bags low. Those are mainstream coins. These are not coins like like GM that are you know launching randomly on a, a Uniswap liquidity pool and anyone can buy it. It's like the Wild West. It's crazy. So what? That, and I also wrote GM for some insane gains. It's like okay, there's something here. Um, and so I spent a lot of time you know learning myself how to trade those, how to find those new coins, new shit coins, all that. And it's like really, really hard. You're like grinding, scanning through Etherscan. You're following deployer links to see what's safe. You're like a little scientist. And so eventually we were like, you know what? We can make we can make some tools to make this like a lot fucking easier. We were like, this could be so much easier. Like as someone who's there who is an active trader, I was like, as a trader, I know what I need that could make this job a lot easier. I know the type of alerts I could need and the information yeah. I need to see that if I were to bring it all into one place, it would be useful. So we made this suite of tools that basically is exactly that. That's the best way to build a product, like to think about like what's missing from my life, what's going to improve my life, because there has to be another group of people out there that would find this useful if I'm finding it useful in everything that I'm doing. So when you so you launched consortium with via like a, an NFT drop, right? So you have you have to have a token to participate on the platform and access the tools. Yeah, that's right. So we, we, we actually developed, unlike a lot of NFTs, so something we see, first of all, with alpha groups is an alpha group is really just like an exit liquidity group. And it's just like a group of people where it's like you get the crumbs of someone's alpha. They've already bought, sold, watched, read everything, and they'll just tell you afterwards. And we're like, that isn't, you know, that's not alpha. Like we want to build what we, we call consortium, like a utility path. 
Like it, it, even with nobody in the community, you are getting value out of this asset. It, you know, we're not our value add isn't our community telling people shit. Um, and so like, so yeah, we decided to just make, we decided to make those tools. You have to have the NFT. Uh, we minted, we built everything before mint, um, or at least most of it. We put a lot of upfront, con- upfront cost in the development. Cause that's another thing NFTs do. They ask for a ton of funding and they have nothing ready. It's like a, um, it's a glorified a of- Kickstarter, basically. A lot of right. NFTs are that never actually right. like deliver. <laughs> right. And there's no, there's no, first of all, all the burden of cost is on users with expensive mints. And there you're asking someone to pay a lot of money for something they haven't seen or used. Um, and then there's no, there's no need for the company, for lack of a better word, to keep uh, there's no incentivization for them to keep working on something if they've got all the money at mint. So we actually went with a much cheaper mint um, and are doing a subscription model because that's like, look, it, it, our stuff takes money to keep building and using. And if you don't like it or if we're doing a shitty job, we lose funding. Um, okay. So that was so our approach sub- to it. So, so y- subscription yeah. model as in like you have the key and then you pay to be able to like then you pay monthly That's to right. use the platform like any other like Clavio or MailChimp or whatever. Like having a phone. You buy the yeah, phone right. and then you pay your phone. Bill. Got exactly. it. Got it. Got it. OK. Keep going. I love mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's the model that we take. And so we minted for, you know, relatively cheap to what we built. Um, you know, it was 0.44 ETH for what we, you know, for, for the whole suite of tools. We really needed to go for something closer to two ETH or something for the costs and to get proper runway. But it, like I said, it was like, how about cut tons of that upfront cost from consumers, put the burden on us to deliver, and we will get that money over time through subscriptions. It's much more sustainable. And I think for yeah. most NFTs, we're going to move to a model like that. Definitely. I love that. Those drop mechanics like make perfect sense and are, like you said, like it is more sustainable. I think it is like more that to me is more of a sign that somebody has a plan to continue growing their business. Like no, everybody thinks like, oh my God, you made so much money from your mint or whatever. Like that should just be enough. Like it costs a lot of money to continue to run a business. Like it costs a lot of money to just live. So besides that, that's beside the point. But what, so what do people get? Like after you have minted this, the consortium key pass and you get access to this platform, this suite of tools, what does that look like then? Sweet. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a good thing to describe for those listening. Um, I guess what it is, is first of all, it's, um, it's a lot of alerts. So like you were saying, you trade NFTs, and we, we mentioned for a second, you know, NFT alpha groups, you know, they might tell you when they buy or something like that. Um, we decided, you know what, people can tell you everything, it's all on chain, how about we just find it on the blockchain. So we have a channel for purchases, listings, sales, uh, and mints. And then we curate a database of wallets where we personally go to find profitable wallets scouring the blockchain uh, to collect into a database and organize and then put in through this alert system. So you have individual channels where you can see like, oh, he's going to dump. He already listed all his stuff. And then he'll come into his alpha group and he'll tell everyone like, hey, guys, I'm selling. And it's like, I already knew. Like, I'm watching. Um, so Whale yeah, watching. So have- whale watching. I right. love that. <laughs> Yeah, so we have a whole suite of NFT alerts. We have a whole suite of token alerts. Every single new token that is created, we get an alert for it, and we can see right away like when it was created, where the deployer got the money, like all what the tax information is, all of that in one spot. Um, and then 
you can also mint those NFTs or buy and sell those tokens from within the Discord, even if you're on your phone, because part of it is about convenience. All this shit is so inconvenient. I want to be able to use my iPhone and buy a coin or mint an, mint 20 NFTs, bought mint 20 NFTs, because that's how, you know, the meta is. Everyone's botting. So that's what we built was a system that allows me to do that in a hot tub or on a plane or, you know, wherever <laughs> I have sick. my phone. Besides the NFT and token alerts, we have uh, daily and weekly analysis of the crypto and NFT markets. So we have analysts that are doing deep dives on projects. They're doing daily reviews of Bitcoin and ETH movements, macro reviews every week. Um, so sort of keep your eyes on the ground. Like you can come here and you don't have to look at anything else. Um, you know, we have leverage information, trading information, like all sorts of resources to kind of be a one-stop Very cool. Shop. And that's so. So where like, okay, so there's all these tools, there's all the information is available, like on the blockchain, which is what you've already said, which I think is like, an important thing to kind of restate in this conversation. But what is what you're providing is you're kind of aggregating that data and putting forward like, what is a viable, likely what would be a viable investment or opportunity for somebody who's interested? So how do you and your team, like, how do you guys qualify something as being better? Like, because anybody can just deploy anything, right? And they can just launch anything. And obviously, you're looking for these wallets who are profitable or whatever. But if like, what do you look at? Because I hear things like total market cap and distribution and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know what any of those things mean. Like, is there kind of a secret or like a code for people like me who can look at something and say like, oh, that means that it's probably a pretty good opportunity or I'm that looks like a bad opportunity. Yeah, totally. So like, uh, you know, there's no there's no easy way for it, of course, but we try to aim to make it as easy as possible. You know, our alerts, especially for tokens, you know, we have red, yellow, green indicators that sort of give you a feel generally it's not like, oh, this token has all green, I'm buying. Like, there's hundreds of tokens launching a day. If you do that, you're done. Um, so you do need, you do need like a little more discretion. And it takes time to sort of tone, tune your radar to these things. And th- eventually, you start noticing, you're like, oh, like, this is a scammy bio, this is a stolen website, you know, you can see right away on our alerts, you're like, this deployer of tokens today, like, I'm not going anywhere near that. So there's certainly a lot of like immediately like accessible information that we're able to provide that gives you that yes or no. But then, you know, I think it's part of it is just tuning and like being active and seeing a lot, talking to the community, understanding. It's like kind of like with NFTs, you know, how do you spot like a a crappy Fiverr rug from a real team? It's like it takes a little time, but you can get there. So it does like require the user, like people in your community should like kind of have a plan and a strategy for getting into trading. Like you are creating, you are, you have this suite of tools that you've created and you're kind of putting the the buffet in front of them. But it is really up to people to kind of know what they're doing and what they're getting involved in. Right. So what would you like, what qualifies like a good trading strategy? Like, do you have, has anybody kind of come to you and asked you like, what would be your recipe kind of for success? Not financial advice. Obviously, this whole episode isn't financial advice. But like, what? It, where is a good place to start? I think one of the most important things for people, and I, most, I think, traders would agree, it's psychology. It's all psychology. Um, 
Like it's a lot easier to paper trade money that isn't real than it is to manage your own portfolio. Because when it's yours, you get greedy, you get fearful, you know, you make rash decisions. Um, so I think like, I think understanding that you need to like beat your own psychology and that there's no like quick and easy way to do it. It is achievable for everybody, but it takes work. And I think that's something that like people, a lot of people aren't ready for. They, everyone's looking like, how can I make the most money the fastest? And it's like, that's great. But take it slow and steady and realize like you're going to learn a lot and it's going to take a lot. But like that's also the thing. We provide tons of resources for learning. I wrote an entire meme coin uh, guidebook for anyone, even if they don't have a consortium key. Like this is how you trade these things. This is how you do this. But like you have to study. It reminds me of like, I don't know if you saw this. Um, but I was going to say, where are you from? But you don't have to say that if you don't want to. <laughs> I live in, I, I live in California. I live north of San Francisco now. Okay, cool. So you probably saw this. It was during COVID, like be beginning of COVID. There was a story about this woman. I think like HuffPost posted it or something that started with a bobby pin, like a hairpin and traded up to a house and had this like whole straight like i don't know she like lost her job i might be like fabricating some of the story because where memory you know fails me but right. it kind of reminds me like trading reminds me of that it's like your first trade like the likelihood of doing your first like okay i'm gonna put one eth into you know this meme coin and i'm gonna make a million dollars like the likelihood of that happening is very very slim to fucking none but you it sounds like what the approach could be and what the approach should be is like there's no reason why you can't work your way up to that million dollars like by starting with like a small amount that you flip into another amount that you then fold into another amount and another like something else like it seems like that is kind of the the way to go am i am i picking this up <laughs> yeah no totally I, I think you are absolutely and i think like i think an important thing for people to realize is a you're not going to come in and just start making successful trades and that's okay like expect to lose money but consider it tuition like that's what I, i've lost i lost oh, so much money cool. trading nfts and coins yeah but that's just tuition you know um I love everything that. you learn Keep in going. life you pay that's yeah. genius. No, so, oh, my so God. I, it's so good. Yeah. Right. And so like you're paying and no, you're not. You're, the, the gains you're getting are not monetary at this point, but you're paying and you're learning. You're gaining knowledge. Um, and that is value to you and your portfolio. So it, it can feel disenfranchising when you come and you trade and you lose money. But if you're actively learning, if you're not learning, if you're not paying attention and you're just making these mistakes, then you're not getting anywhere. But if you're saying like, no, I'm coming here, I'm trying to make these trades, I'm writing down why I bought this, I'm, I'm writing down why it didn't go well, you know, I'm learning, then you actually are growing and investing. It's just your tuition. And we all pay it. I paid disgusting amounts of tuition <laughs> when ETH was 3 to 4K. And we were paying gas like crazy. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Same. That is such a good... That's such a good analogy. I'm going to remember that one. Okay, so I was looking at like the OpenSea analytics for Consortium Key, and it seems like you have a lot of holders that hold multiple keys. I mean, you have a, a like really high floor price, which again, this is like a, a beginner's level podcast. So floor price, meaning the lowest cost entry point into a collection. 
you have a really like high floor price, especially in this market. People seem to own multiples of the keys. Is there a incentive to holding multiple tokens or is this like, are these people who are like, this has a really, this brings a really good value to the community and I am going to just huddle this to get what I deserve on the secondary market? Yeah. So there, there's, there's several reasons. So there are benefits. There are premium features we have for people with two keys. They can uh, mimic wallets. That's the first thing. They can find up to 25 wallets that they think are good traders they've measured. And they can mimic their buys, their sells if they want. They can copy the amount that they do. And oh it'll just God. trade Very for cool. you copying people. Um, yeah, that's one of the premium features. Then the other one is multi-wallet. So if you're a good trader, like I'm a good shitcoin trader, I can run four, five, six wallets at one time. And, you know, when I'm submitting transactions, it's buying from all the wallets. Um, so I'm buying new coins. You know, you get a lot more, basically. Very cool. Okay, so it is, there's that. Good, okay. It's somewhat utility-based, but also like, yeah, if you have one of these tools and you're like, man, this should be a lot more money. Like, I need one to sell so I can stay in here. Like, yeah, you grab a couple. Okay, cool. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Didn't want to, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot, <laughs> but I'm always just no, totally, curious. Totally, yeah. It Because it's really hard, you know, in this market. And I think like in the NFT space at its current stage in general, like it's, it is hard to like sustain a floor price. And it's sometimes really hard to know like what actually um, affects a floor price, like when it comes to NFTs. And I think, you know, maybe that's actually like a good question to ask you, like in your research and in your findings, like besides maybe you should touch on the obvious, which is like VC and whale pumps and dumps and all that shit. But like what actually has an impact on floor price from what you can see, especially in this market that we're in right now? Yeah, totally. No, I think that's a great question. Um, and I think like uh, so much of the NFT space is really nuanced. You know, something like us, our goal is like, how do we provide direct, tangible, quantifiable value where you can say these are the utilities. This is why this is worth something. So much of the NF NFT space like is not that. And that's OK. It's learning to recognize that and trade those narratives. Um so yeah, there's a whole lot of VC and whale, you know, projects and incentives in this project for, or in this space for people to buy these things. When really you look at it and you're like, this is not nothing here. Um, but what is there is narrative, and narrative is like everything. Like narrative is part of why I held Cardano from two cents, eight cents to and to sell at two fifty. It's not because I'm a huge Cardano bull. I think it can do fine and be fine, but it's because I recognize there are going to be people who love what they stand for, and that's going to have a huge narrative. Um, so I think in the NFT space, in the crypto space, all of it, like with GM too, shitcoins are like the epitome of narrative, like Doge or GM, like there's narrative all besides a narrative. So learning to identify those narratives and trends, um, I, think that, I think that really does it. And then you can look at it and say what defines a floor price, and it's like, okay, everything with VC backing, whether it's you know, the project DigiDaiku there, you know, they had 20 ETH because of VC backing. You have Moonbirds VC backing, like mooning. Like that's the that's a narrative people love. So that can drive value. I think there are elements of real utility driving value. Um, but I think mostly it is just it is just kind of like a hot potato of like this. I'm buying this because I'm going to sell it higher. Like that, that is a lot of it. Yeah. Well, when you say narrative too, like it, there's two that makes me immediately think like of two different things. One is like you said, the narratives that 
we love about like VC backing or this or that, the other thing. But there's also the narratives, especially in this space that we tell ourselves and that we tell each other, which is like, I think a big in my like looking back on the mistake that I made, like with GM coin among many was the fact that like I once I got it, all I ever did was watch my portfolio. And so I could see it go up and down and whatever, whatever. But I never thought to go to the one place where narrative is happening, like it is unfolding before you, which is Etherscan and being able to see like, oh, my God, okay this person had, they just sold off a fuck ton. Like this other person just sold off a shit ton. Oh, here's somebody who I told to buy in who's selling. Here's the person who told me to buy in who's selling. Like, what am I, what am I doing? Like, so I think like that is a big piece of it is just like remembering that the narrative is out there. You just have to know where to look for it. And I think you have to you have to recognize like these kind of hot points or like 10 commandments of kind of trading in order to participate here. And it seems like that's what consortium kind of helps people do or helps people understand. So how active is like tell me about what your community is like, like you've got the tool, you've got your team, which I want to hear about your team. but. What's your community like? What is going on in there? How are you guys like interacting with each other and and supporting each other? Like, do they suck? Do you love them? Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. Yeah, I mean that's great. I, I I love to talk about the community, like, because I'm in there every single day, like like con all day. I'm in there with the community. You know, I'm not a founder that made this and then is you know fucked off and runs stuff. You know, like. I'm in there and they're great. They're degenerates. They're in there all day looking at like every single coin launch. We sit in voice chat. We go over these things together like and we're buying, you know, we're buying heinous stuff. You know, some of these coins are launching with the worst names like they're terrible. It sounds so idiotic. And some of them like GM, they go crazy. I mean, there were there were there are lots of crazy coins. I think it it just came out that um, (laughs) that FTX last year, Alameda last year, they dumped $150,000 into the shitcoin Come Rocket. Um, God. Alameda did that. <laughs> yeah, even the VCs are out there buying Come Rocket. And you're it's like, okay, like, like that's the space. There's just like a, a race to be like this. It's like a contest for who can be the stupidest. Like, just like, oh, it, how can we get people yeah. to do so degra- such degrading behaviors yeah, and go terrible. like, like well, how do we i'm get buying cum rocket yeah exactly yeah. okay continue it's, it's so, i mean it's so terrible i always say to people when they come in i'm like you got to go bang your head on the wall like six times and then come back and reapproach these things you know the next time you look at a coin launch like you need to lose 50 iq points um you got to be left curve right now but smart people smart people dumb yourself down <laughs> Dumb yourself down for real. We got to be dumber for this. You can't, you, you're going to overthink it and pass the next cum rocket, which, and to be fair, that coin hit 300 million. So we're watching coins launch at like 10,000 and they go sometimes as far as 300 million. Like that's many thousands of X returns. It's fucking crazy. Um, but so we have the very best shit coiners, like a lot of the shit coin influencers in the space, like Eric Crypto Man and, you know, Crypto Mad and, you know, lots of people like that. They're all in there. So we have the best of the best. We also have people who are newer at it. We also have, you know, a lot of NFT traders. We have a lot of perps traders, um, like perpetuals, futures, uh, learning leverage, charting, things like that. So it's, I mean, it's a great community. Um, I would say, I would say to touch on your point about getting caught in the narrative, 
I think that's important. Recognizing the narrative and liking the narrative is different than getting caught in the narrative. And I've also been caught in the narrative. I, I when I started with CyberKong's the NFT, I bought three of them for like forty ETH each at you know Disney in December, and they ran to like two hundred ETH floor each. But I got caught up in the sauce and the narrative, and I'm like, these are the best fucking things in the You're world. Like they're like, going, they're still going, and, still going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So like, only in this space can you hold something that goes from one hundred twenty thousand dollars to eight hundred thousand dollars and be like, oh, this is going to a million. Um, and that again comes back to mastering psychology where you're just like, just cut it, just cut it, throw all of that in the stables. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> you know? Um, exactly. so yeah, just say, don't get caught in the narrative. Yeah. It's like better to, but yeah, it's, it's great. almost, I love that. It's almost like what the, the like detachment of like, what could be the detachment from what could be like with the cyber Kong story with the GMs, you know, the GM coin story. It's like, you have to at some point be like, I won. Like, that's what could be like, uh, this was successful. And I'm going to, like you said, like, cut it, stable it, like, c- celebrate yourself. And then know that like, yeah, if it does keep going, like, awesome for everybody else. Like, it's okay. I think that's like what the what the biggest like, that's what the hardest thing is, is to kind of like, compartmentalize and just know like well this is where my journey was meant to end here and like i can't i wasn't meant to go any further and the alternative is that it doesn't go any further and you actually go way 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 back down like i did where it's like but again like you said it's the only place where i can be like okay i spent whatever i spent maybe an eth at the time so four thousand maybe four thousand dollars one eth which was also like magic internet money to go to right. <laughs> 218,000 to then be disappointed at, at 12,000 where it's like, well, that's still like right. what I'm not very good at math. Why I three X my money. Like, right. Okay. But I'm still like, mm, damn it. like it's so yeah. hard not to get, it's so hard to like, just let that go. Right. And that's, you know, I, we always talk about it and it, it happens like, I, you know, we're trading these, these shit coins so often it happens all the time, but I always reiterate to people, myth money is better than lost money. And if like psychologically you let that bother you, like papering a bag that moons, you're going to get wrecked because that's going to happen over and over and over, but it's fine. Like make your money, take your profit. Like i Sold. So this year I've sold two bags where I papered like 150 ETH, where I sold a shit coin at like a, a few ETH because I'm there so early. I often yeah. sell these things pretty early. I'm like, I made four ETH, you know, from <laughs> point one. Like I'm out of here. And then it 40 X's and I'm like, I just missed 150 ETH. But like, that's totally fine. Like, that's just what this space is. If, if you let that bother you, you're going to get wrecked again. It's just mastering your psychology. Like, it's OK if you can make money, keep up that, keep it up, be consistent, let those gains stack rather than necessarily trying to hold for the one that goes 200k to a million it's like okay pull that 200k and then just do the same thing a few times like 100 just let it get there you have like a very down-to-earth like approach to this and like do not come across as being like overly emotional like at all like even like in my like in my life like i've said like i'm still emotional about my gm coin like i've still even like 
my partner has been like, if I stabled here, then I'd be up like this. And I like, it's so hard not to get emotional. Have you always been like that? Or like, did it have to do with when your portfolio like completely plummeted? And how did you, what are your own strategies for like dealing with this? How do you, or is this all a ruse? You're just coming across as being calm, cool, collected. (laughs) No, I, 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 I'm very, I'm very middle, middle of the lane. I'm not super excitable. Um, and, but I think part of it did come from that, from that first, just terrible, terrible, like leveling of my portfolio. But because there were so many people, you know, in the space and and it was I wasn't as tied into like a social space of crypto then it was really more working in a silo, doing your own research, whatever. And you might talk to people on some forums and stuff like that. But there were so many people that got into crypto when I did, bought when I did, got wrecked like I did and left. And a lot of those people came back in 2021, like during the peak and did it again because they didn't learn anything. But there were a group of people that I that I fit into where it was like, oh, no, we got wrecked. And it's like, how do I earn this back was the thought. It's like, okay, I'm here. I see the value of this stuff. I totally got wrecked. But like, how do I stay involved in the space? And so I grinded for years, you know, finding proper altcoins, packing good bags. And luckily, it like worked really well. But I think that really taught me like, again, it's the loss is fine. The loss is tuition. Every time I lose, if I'm losing 50 grand or 100 grand, if it's some crazy blow up portfolio, it's like, you better get some information, some knowledge out of that and then like do better. And like, it's it's understanding that the opportunity is here. And so you don't need to lament the opportunity that got fucked up because there's going to be a thousand more ahead of you. And if you're using mental energy, like expending it on what could have been, you're not looking at what is here now or what can be. Um, so it's just like learning from all that, taking it as tuition and like, yeah, focusing like eyes forward. hundred percent. I love it so much. Do you think maybe it's worth like for the, the sake of the conversation, like, should we like go back to a point and just ask the question, like, what is trading? Like, what does it mean to like be a trader? Like what is day trading? What is it in the like framework of crypto as a whole? Because I think probably like some yeah. people might wonder that. Yeah. And so that's actually that's a very interesting thing because, you know, it, it, it can be semantics. But, you know, people say investing, people say trading, people say day trading, you know. It, and it, it, so what is the difference with these things? Well, really, I'd like to think like they're all the same. Investing is trading with a longer time horizon. Day trading is investing with a one day time horizon. You know, it's just it's just the factor of time that changes things. So for me, trading is just purchasing anything with the intent to make a profit or at least try, you know, and that can be a commodity in real life. It could be eggs. You know, I used to have seven ducks last year because I didn't want to pay for eggs. Like, that's that's what you do. Like, always with the foresight, always with the foresight. Aren't we in like an aren't you in an egg recession like in California? Yeah, now now we're in an egg recession. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The egg recession is in full swing. Very good. Um, but yeah, so it's just it, it's it's buying something with the intent to to capitalize on it because you see some sort of value there. And that value can be tangible. It can be real. You could say this is a good protocol or it can be this is a good narrative. You know, whatever it is, it, it's moving with it. Or for in the case of trading a coin, it could be I've identified on a chart and I recognize this and I know 70 percent of the time like this is going to happen, you know, so it's, there, there's a lot of things, but it's just going into something with a plan to, you know, put your money somewhere. Hundred percent. So it's like you're just to break it down even further. It's taking money or a resource, 
whether that is fiat or another type of cryptocurrency or whatever. And it is using that to purchase another type, another resource. So it could be another type of cryptocurrency or another whatever, right? That's like the most mm-hmm. basic. Okay, cool. So right. we got it. And I, I think like at its core, like you're, I think the goal with investing is whatever you're putting your money into, you are making a bet. It is outperforming where your money was. So if you're holding Ethereum and you buy an altcoin, you are making a bet that that altcoin will outperform ETH. You know, that's what you're doing. It's always in comparison to, you know, what the alternative is. Well, that's psychology again in itself is like is you have to ask yourself, like, do I believe in this more than I believe in ETH or that I believe in the, you know, fiat or USDT or whatever it is like. And I think that's where the strong kind of survive because you don't have to necessarily believe in it more in the long term, right? That's where we get into like the di- the difference of of day trading and investing. Like, can you believe in this for the day? Like, ETH in, from day to day, these days at least, is it having a lot of movement? Like, you know, it, last week was a good week. Like, it was it things are going up, whatever. But you're not seeing like crazy 10x like that would be amazing let's put that out into the universe and manifest it but like with some of these altcoins or shit coins like it is possible to see that coin price 10x in the day right yeah totally well so for shit coins especially i mean we see 10x's 100x's 1000x's and those aren't real protocols that are going to stay around these are things that hit their all-time high often in six days and you get out and like take your money and go But I think you bring up a really interesting thing where it's like, yeah, there is like there's a larger narrative at play here. And we're also in touch with that. I don't know if you've been hearing the Kanto craze. There's like the Kanto is like this big thing on Twitter right now. Basically, it's just an alternative layer one blockchain. It's like Atom or Cardano or any alt chain to ETH. Um, But it's just it didn't have VC funding. It's got good narrative, you know, whatever. I got back into this in August pre-launch. Now this thing, it like it, it bottomed out in December at like seven cents or at the end of December, like seven cents. And in the past few days, I think yesterday it hit 73 cents. And that's, you know, it's a, you know, $350 million FDV, which just means, you know, fully diluted value. It's how much value is here. But that's very small for what it is. But again, it's just the narrative. And there you're looking at a 10x. Do I necessarily think Canto is better than Ethereum in five years or 10 years? No. Do I think in the short term, people are going to hop on this narrative and that it can outperform? Yes. So you buy at seven cents and you sell at 75, you know, while ETH is I you love know, that. as we talk about. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> Honestly. Right, right. It sounds a lot easier than it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. I, I found like value investing was easier than Bitcoining daily. Like It yeah. is like you have to be tough to do this. But OK, I'm backtracking a little bit because you said something that I was like, wait, I think I know what that means. But so other people must wonder what it means if they listen to it. The come rocket coin, you said it went from 10,000 to some what did you say 300,000 or 3 million or whatever you said? What does that mean? Okay, so does that is that when Um, is that mean that that's how many were mined? Like how many of those tokens were mined? What does that mean? Because I'm I'm lost on that. And Uh, why is that a good thing? I'm talking about them. 
Right. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. So there, I would be talking about um, the the right. Why is it a good thing? There, I'm talking about the market cap, the market capitalization, which is a function of you know the liquidity, which is the amount of money that's available to trade, um, and the supply, the amount of tokens um, that exist. And so, you know, you launch, you say, okay, when you launch a token, you're saying, okay, I'm putting three ETH of Ethereum and then all of the tokens and people start trading and they go for it. And the tokens are, you know, they go up in price if people, you know, buy them. So when something starts at a $10,000 market cap, you can buy there, which is what we specialize in is buying coins early. Um, And if you hold to a $300 million market cap, well, that's a crazy gain. You go 10,000 to 100,000, that's 10x. 100,000 to a million, that's 100x. And then add on 300 more, you know. Um, Lost me at that and, math, but yeah, I well, trust you. Go, you. <laughs> I, th- I think I fucked it up. I think it's 10,000 to 100,000 is 10x. 100,000 to a million is 100x. And then a million to 300 million is 300x. So that's 100 times 300. That's a $30,000 gain or 30,000x. So if you put in 0.1 Ethereum, that's 3,000 ETH if you somehow held from, you know, the bottom of Come Rocket to the top. Okay, it's so, it's, yeah. It's like numbers that are absurd. It's insane. <laughs> okay, so just because I'm like a repetition learner, let's like act this out. So if I'm launching a token, like a, a shit coin or whatever, I'm going to say like, okay, I'm, I have to kick off this liquidity pool. So I'm going to put of my own money five ETH in and this token's gone out. And then you see, oh, okay. So I'm going to buy, if if five ETH sets the price of whatever it is. So I'm going to say five ETH in 100,000 tokens. I don't know. Am I allowed to like give the number, like the allocation? Yeah, the, the amount of tokens, it could be one token and people will just split it. It doesn't even Okay, matter. okay. So then you would come in and be like, oh, okay. This is, I'm going to put in point five and then that becomes so then that price fluctuates because there's some have gone out tokens have gone out and more money has come in right like is that how this works am Mm -hmm. i picking up on this that's (laughs) exactly no that's that's exactly how it works so like as more and more people buy like you can imagine somebody has two baskets and one is filled with money and one is filled with like apples and all the customers are coming up and giving money and taking apples. Mm. Well, the remaining apples in that basket, there's fewer and fewer and fewer as more people buy, so they become more and more expensive. That's oh, yeah. what token price is. Um, that, that's all that the price of a token is. That's why ETH is $1,600 from, you know, whatever it started at, 30 cents. Right. And there's only ever in, is it every case that there's only as many tokens as like it was launched with? Like, what is that called? Is that right. the Can market cap? Yeah, is that is so that a you, market? Well, I mean, you can you can grow more apples. You can you can grow more apples, but it fucks up. Nice. You know the market cap. It can it yeah. can mess things up. So like Bitcoin has a fixed supply of twenty one million. Um, that's the whole point. Bitcoin is not adding. There are no more Bitcoin apples. That's it. Um, but there are coins where there are emissions, or they or they have more apples coming into the ecosystem, and it's just a fine balance that can destroy tokens. Like I don't know if you were kept up with like the DeFi scene, like Ohm, Olympus DAO, and Time. They were DeFi protocols that had lots of apples coming, too many apples, and eventually everyone was like, "Oh, these apples are worthless because we've grown so many." Is that what happens with like Terra Luna? Is that they were like Terra mining? Luna- more apples sorry yeah. are we going way off here? <laughs> no. 
Oh, this is my tuition. I'm getting my lesson plan today. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm into it. So Terra Luna was a little different. Terra Luna was like, it was a lot more of an ecosystem where they were trying to do what's called an Al stable coin, which is basically a stable coin that like balances its own value through like complex tech shit, as opposed to being a stable coin that's just like, oh, we have this much assets right. backing and this is why it's worth a dollar. Um, and uh, their shit just was done badly and exploded. That's why Luna. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. You're, you had your example. You had your example of starting with the 10000 Let's say $10,000 you put in to start a coin. Yeah, I could buy. If I say, like, I want to buy 0.1, then yeah, that $10,000, that pool is now 10000 plus my 0.1 Ethereum. It grows and grows and grows as more people buy. And so, you know, eventually if that 10000 is... 10 million, you know, you can sell for a thousand X. It's crazy. And that's what we want, right? That's what we want. So we're going to launch a want. coin together and that's what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. That's right. Let's ask, let me see Cause I've not looked at any of my questions because that's how, you know, it's a good, it's a good conversation. Cause just going, what is, all right. I heard something. I think I know the answer to this. Um, but for, you know, in the spirit of being a, a beginner or like mm -hmm. an, a, a, a podcast that's welcome to beginners, uh, welcome to beginners, what does it mean to say that trading is a zero sum game? Hmm. Well, I think that I think it comes back to the idea that like trading is inherently a player versus player activity on whenever you win in a trade, there is a loser. Um, so in a sense, you could say like that balances, you know, it's a zero sum game because somebody's losing for every time you win. And I guess at a whole, that kind of makes sense if you don't count like new entrants to the market and things like that. But I think it really, it's like, it's about, again, it's coming back to the value in trading is not only in the money you gain, it's in the knowledge you gain and the ability to, you know, make money later. And in that case, you could never argue it's a zero sum game because everyone is gaining information and knowledge, which is, of, which is value. Very cool. So to you, you would say that it is like, depending on what your, your like framing is of it, trading has definitely has the possibility to be positive some game. Yeah, I think it, it just depends what your approach is. If your approach is I'm coming here and my goal for trading is just to make money. Well, then yeah, then it's kind of a zero sum game. But if your goal is like, I need to learn a lot of shit that can help me for 10 years to make money and it and it carries over whether you're trading perps on crypto or stocks or whatever like these it, the knowledge you get can be applied so many areas in life maybe you do see that the eggs are going to get expensive and you're like i am going to be a duck farmer like that's it like you're learning principles and foundations of investing and experience in crypto that can carry over to everything else very cool very cool okay so when we were dming to organize this like coordinate this interview you were like oh that's actually a really good day or that's a good time for trading like we know the crypto market never sleeps wall street does sleep like regular stonks and bonks do sleep but crypto doesn't like what are i mean i guess this is probably insider info you would need your consortium key for it but just as a little freebie to those listening what are like the best trading days and why best trading days and times like and yeah. why it, I, it's so funny. Um, I, so like you, you always have these intuitions and just by, you know, your brain recognizes patterns and, as you're trading every day. So, you know, we always thought we, we, you know, work week is better. 
But recently in the past few months, I've been gathering data with friends where you're measuring volume throughout the days and weeks. We're checking it, you know, we're automatically pulling data from every coin released on, on chain and stuff. And what we found is DGENs follow like a very strict nine to five Tuesday through Thursday work week, like, like super strict, like outside of that. And it's so dead. It's surprising. You're like, wow, like you guys are really in line with like everyone. So yeah, Tuesday to Thursday, like 7 a.m., 6 a.m. Pacific to 6 a.m., you know, p.m. or 6 p.m., uh, those are like the most active hours for sure. And it, it's really interesting and it makes it, my, it, it makes it crazy. <laughs> my hypothesis is like during the like hot JPEG summer and fall of 2021, everybody quit their jobs and they're just creatures of habit. <laughs> now everybody's unemployed, right. but just still like either on their partner's schedule or their kid's schedule or trying to like keep themselves human, like still trying to wake up. And go to bed. I know. Yeah. We'd like to think that we've like escaped this like nine to five, but we've just recreated it online. That's fucking amazing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's let me ask about all right. Well, you said so automated trading, that's something that you guys can that people can do like through consortium, right? Can you do what is automated trading? Well, so there, you know, there are different elements of it. Like I said, what we offer right now is something called mimic where you could go and find because obviously everything's on chain. So you can go find wallets and measure their profit and loss and be like, this is a good wallet. So we have it set up where you could just trade and track that wallet and it'll automatically and buy and sell everything that they do. Turns out that's pretty hard to find good wallets. You end up like very often losing money, but it's amazing. It's an amazing tool. Also, that goes back kind of to the psychology. So many more people are better at buying coins than selling, myself included. Like you can find people who get great bags and then just round trip it or, you know, sell too early or whatever. So a lot of times following people's entries can be better, but that's sort of more mimicking, not as much auto trading. We are launching very, very soon our bot, Pan, which is an auto-entry shitcoin bot. And that, I can't leak too much, but it's not a token sniper. Token snipers exist. And for those of you listening that don't know what a token sniper is, basically there are these robots that look at every token launch and they just automatically just like, boom, just send in a buy at like lightning speed within the first second they can. But there's like, it's just, it's just scatter fire. They're just like shooting a ton of bullets and like some of these coins do well. It's not really calculated. We've invented something different, auto entry bot. Basically, it looks at something um, and then uses a set of, of parameters and applies it conditions that need to be met for it to decide to, to buy for you. So it's just like a much more sophisticated thing. So we're automating the process that we do every day of like automatically analyzing these coins and, and buying them. And that's a different thing. Yeah. Very fucking cool. So any plans, like, I think you mentioned, you maybe said something about this in the replies, but like any plans or ideas about like expanding membership and opening up? I I saw that there was like membership applications, like, Mm -hmm. I'd like to know a little bit about that, like any plans to kind of open that up and bring more people in? Or do you have like some kind of goals, like milestones that you'd like to reach as like a community and as a company before you, you know, bring open up the floodgates and bring more people in? Yeah. So, you know, this goes back to this kind of brings it back to that first conversation about NFT value and minting price and things like that. So we minted for 0.44 and we didn't have a lot of hype. We, you know, we bootstrapped this all ourselves. We built it all ourselves. We didn't have big influencers hyping us. So like we couldn't 
you know, justify, oh, mint for three ETH and we'll mint, you know, 2000. We didn't do that. We have a 2000 supply and we minted for 0.44, but we didn't sell out. We sold a quarter of our supply at 0.44. And then we were like, okay, let's cut it. And then what we can do is through time, we can open up applications, have people apply, and then handpick the best people to join. So we've done one of these application rounds so far. So 500 of our keys are in circulation. And then we've done one application round. I think we had over 950 applicants that I went through. And I think we accepted 25, maybe. Like, you know, we're in no rush. But it's an amazing thing where it allows us to, you know, people can get in at a price discounted to floor. But they have to be really good. I made like a, I made a test where you're quizzed on everything about Consortium Key. You're quizzed on our features, our tools. Like you have to you have to want to be there, you know, because there's so many people that will just apply to these things to flip it. It's like, no, like you need to really want this. You need to study. You need to read our material. Like if you don't want it, we don't want you. Um, so I we will be periodically that. opening that up. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense because I was obviously like I already admitted to. I was like, you know, scouting and looking and. It goes back to our conversation about narrative that I was like, hmm, there's like, I can see how many are held by one wallet that happens to hold a lot and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, now that you've told me, like, it's so easy to just jump to conclusions around like what that means or what that looks like. But now that I've heard the story, like very, like very conscious decision to cut off to, to stop the mint to like re-strategize and refocus on, okay, well, how do we make this more of a like truly stick to the mission of like providing this service and like having the best suite of tools in a lot of ways also means like having the best community, like and having the best people involved that are going to help actually like kind of, you know, embody and promote your mission, find success, like be kind of your, your companies, like in your, your teams talking heads when they need to be. And like, I think it's really important. So very fucking sick approach. I love it so much. Um, I'll be applying. I'll be studying. I'll be getting everybody I know to. Um, this has been such a cool conversation. Thank you so much. Tell people where to find you, where to find more information, where to follow along, all of that good stuff. Totally. No, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And we would love to have you in the community as well. You know, love, love to have smart, good, active people in the space joining. So we'll be looking thank for you. your application. <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I mean, if people want to get a hold of me, you know, I'm in the space. I'm online constantly on Twitter. I'm the Bogger, T-H-E-B-O-G-G-A-R-T-T. Uh, Consortium Key, you can find on Twitter as well. Again, like we're there constantly. You can DM, you can ask me questions anything like join our discord whatever we're always around um yeah i think it's just being active in the space it's very different thing and uh i think it separates a lot of people you know who are who are here every day and who aren't so i'm one of the ones that are here and if you need me very cool very cool well i will and i'll vouch for that and say that when i posted that tweet which like i live in the uk now i lived in la and i lived in in vermont on the east coast before that so like my um like analytics and like audience kind of algorithm is completely fucked like i don't know what the best time for me to post is or when but i i know i must have posted like in the morning uk time or something where do you get your alpha where do you get how do you know what to do and there was a lot of like real people like didn't get botted like real people showed up in the replies and they were tagging you and tagging consortium so i was like okay this is legit this is sick so 
been very fun talking to you. Thank you so much for this. Oh, totally. I had a yeah, blast. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Very much appreciate the platform and the questions. Yeah, of course. I mean, we'll see. Somebody's going to learn something from this. I know I did. This has been another devastatingly iconic episode of the Carson Daily Show. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carson Daily and follow the show's dedicated Instagram at Carson Daily Show. And follow this podcast channel so you get new episode notifications. Please rate me five stars also so I can brag to my producers. And remember, you can't go a week in crypto without me. The Carson Daily Show is a Decentral Media production written by me and my better comedic half, James Carr, with music by Woody. See you next Tuesday. Bye.